0: listening to the Cougar Talk podcast hosted by Dylan McMan and Chris Isaacson. Welcome back to another episode of the Cougar Talk podcast where we talk all things BYU football and college football. Now, I'm your host Dylan and joining me today, hosting with me today is my good friend Chris. Chris, how's it going?
1: It would be going better if we didn't get dismantled by TCU, but at least today's going all right.
0: That is very well said. It was a rough weekend for us BYU fans, but before we dive into talking all about that, we want to make sure we start out today's episode with a huge shout out to KU Connect. If you are unaware, KU Connect is the premier NIL company incorporated with BYU Athletics. For just a small subscription each month, you get access to player written reports, opportunities to meet with the players, even opportunities to get exclusive BYU gear. So make sure if you want to support BYU athletics in this world of NIL, you subscribe to KU Connect. You can make sure you go to our website. It's www.cougartalkpodcast.com. Go to our bottom option there to subscribe to KU Connect. They'll get you taken care of from there. So huge shout out to them. What they do is awesome. Now, just like every week's episode, before we dive into what happened with BYU football, we like giving some shout outs specifically To some byu alumni who are doing great in the nfl so we have a couple guys to shout out this week but chris i'll let you get us kicked off who specifically stood out to you in the nfl from byu this week
1: yeah so starting off we're gonna go with zach wilson uh still starting for the jets there he was able to play the philadelphia eagles uh he did struggle in the red zone a little bit but he threw for 186 yards and he was able to get the win over the eagles doing just enough to be able to win that game the eagles were previously undefeated before that game and Again, Zach's not having the most incredible games ever, but he's putting them in positions where they're able to win, and he's at least playing winning football, which matters a lot for a team like the Jets that have really high hopes and a great supporting cast that are just trying to make the playoffs and kind of make some noise this year. So, shout out to Zach for continuing to play well despite all the adversity he's got there. Absolutely. And the big thing is
0: he's, you know, giving the defense a good shot. He's making sure that. They're able to get somewhat long drives going in the game. And even if they can't score, they're getting the defense off the field and rested. And the defense is really winning a lot of these games for them with a big help from Zach. So huge shout out to him. Another big shout out we want to give is someone who was actually just recently signed on to a team. A guy we all know and love, Kyle Van Noy. He is now playing for the Ravens. He actually just played for the Ravens in their game against the Titans. This is actually part of the international series. I believe this game was played in London. Yes, it was played in London. But storyline aside, Kav Inouye had a sack on the day. His first game back in a while. Super fun finally watching him back on the NFL field again, even though it's for a team like the Ravens, who I personally don't love. I'm always ready to cheer for our former BYU Cougars in the league. And of course, you know, it's super fun to see. He's actually the best Ravens player to come out of a school from utah so we of course need to give him a shout out there and this is not a subtle jab at utah at all
1: yeah very clearly no jabs here we are a byu and college football podcast we would never do such like that but getting into last week dylan what happened (laughs) so
0: so many things happened so if you missed if you were a lucky person and you missed watching byu's game last week if you were you know blessed with the opportunity to miss this game what happened was we lost 11 to 44 to tcu at tcu and we had a true freshman quarterback for tcu put 439 yards and four touchdowns on our defense that's the big headliner of this game from this past week and man it was a rough one to watch it it is one of those games where your whole saturday is just ruined because you can't get over it it's such a demoralizing loss for us fans and i'm sure for the team a little bit as well
1: yeah all in all it was just a pretty rough game to watch i won't lie i did try and go watch the washington and oregon game instead i did keep tuning in a little bit to the byu game but at a certain point there's just nothing that's going to change about that game Uh, One of the things that I did want to talk about is starting off games or halves kind of bad. Like you mentioned this, we've thrown pick sixes, we've fumbled the balls, we've given up long touchdowns. You have a few more stats on that. What have you seen from how we start games and start halves? And what do you think we can do to improve that there? Yeah, let me just go ahead and actually
0: read you this list that I've come up with. Just looking at the play-by-plays for all of our games. So just to help you get an idea of how crazy this has been. We started the second half of the Sam Houston game with the turnover on downs with a terrible fake punt. Then we started the SUU game with a punt, and then we threw an interception. Then in the Arkansas game, we all know how the start of that game went. We gave up a 55-yard running touchdown and then a punt return touchdown to start the game. And then to start the second half of the game, we had two 3-and-out, so we weren't getting anything going. And then, you know, fast forward the next week to the Kansas game. We had that scoop and score touchdown by Kansas to start the game in the first half and then a pick six to start the second half of that game. So two defensive touchdowns for Kansas, one at each start of each half. And then, of course, we have that pick six on our first offensive drive to start the TCU game. And so the most frustrating thing is the only outlier here is Cincinnati, you would hope the outlier for not having a poor start is against Sam Houston against SUU. But the common theme for this BYU team this season is it feels like we start these games and these halves so terribly, we come out looking entirely flat, no motivation. And it's extremely frustrating to watch because that's what's causing us to lose a lot of these games. I mean, we go into the half against Kansas with a lead, we're up 17 to 14. And then we start the second half with the pick six. And so, of course, Kansas is going to get all that momentum and it helps them beat us in that game. So, you know, it's it's not only the turnovers. It's those three and outs that we're starting halves with. It's, you know, starting immediately with a punt. Things like that where we got to change something. You know, I don't have a for sure answer of what it is, but this is something that the coaches need to fix. They need to get guys bought in to start the game and to start the half You know, you have the entire week of prep to get your game plan for that first drive. And the fact that we're not only not scoring on a lot of these, but we're having so many turnovers on these first drives of the half is very disappointing.
1: Yeah. Listening to you go over that, it's honestly worse than I even thought it was in the first place. Like I forgot about the punt against Sam Houston State and how he tried to fake that there. I had put that out of memory because of how bad it was and bring it up. It just reminds you of really how poor these starts have been. I think one solution that we might be able to have, usually teams come into a half or come into a game with a little bit of a script, about 10, 12 plays, somewhere in that range of kind of what you want to do. Our script needs to be a lot better, especially against TCU. I remember the first couple plays, we started with a rush for just a couple yards, a rush for one yard, and instantly on the very first drive, we're set up with third and long. We've been talking about the play calling a lot and how second downs have been very passive. We've run the ball on second and long a lot, set up a lot of third and longs. And it feels like our script needs to be a lot better to start games, to give ourselves a chance to get a first down, to get a third and short, things like that. And so I would love to see BYU be a little bit more aggressive right out of the gate, maybe throw the ball or after an incompletion on second and 10, try and throw the ball again, get five plus yards. But something needs to change there and it could be a lot of different things, but we are not doing enough to be able to win games with how bad we start these halves. Now getting into the rest of the game, Uh, It never felt like we really got anything going. It kind of felt a little bit like the LSU game in 2017, where it took us so long to cross the 50-yard line that we weren't sure we even would, first of all. And second of all, it just felt like our offense could never stay on the field. The defense had long, sustained drives on the field as well, and everything kind of just broke down there. So what did you kind of notice in the week leading up to it or through the game itself that kind of stood out to you about not being able to get things going there? Yeah, the big thing is, you know, all during the bye week, we heard
0: from coaches and from players that they were approaching that bye week with a ton of intensity. You know, they had the pads on during that bye week. They weren't taking a week off, they were using it to get better. And it felt like it was the opposite. So, you know, from a fan perspective, it's very easy to deduct that that was either coaches' talk for, you know, making sure things sound better than they were, or there's something that was just disconnected there either leading up into that game for the game plan for TCU or in that bye week in general. Something, you know, disconnected between that time. And you know, that's that's you know where I think the biggest difference was. You know, TCU went into that game with more of a chip on their shoulder than BYU did. You know, it was very frustrating to see that, you know, we had that bye week. We have an extra week to get excited and motivated for this matchup against a very old rival, you know, the storyline was that this is somewhat of a renewed rival. And the way we treated it was like we were going into a game against, you know, some huge team like Michigan or Alabama where we were assuming we were going to lose. And so we didn't even try. It felt like, you know, it felt like we were going out, like you said, with play calls that were super conservative, that were, you know, very predictable. And that, that's what was, you know, frustrating to me was, It felt like there was almost a stubbornness in the play calls that we had in following that same script where, you know, we see games like Cincinnati, where just before the half, it almost feels like we threw away the script. We drive the field in a few plays in 40 seconds and we score a touchdown. And so that that's where, you know, we need to switch that, whether that's throwing away the script entirely or getting a better script, whatever it is that fixes that it needs to be fixed because if we have more games like TCU, we're not winning a game the rest of the season. That's just the harsh truth of that situation. If we play like we did against TCU, there is maybe one game that we win the rest of the season and that's being generous. And so we gotta fix something there. And that that really starts with this week's game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a big need to kind of right the ship to be able to have an all around good performance, especially after such an egg that we laid against TCU there. There was really no facet of the game where we succeeded at at all. And just kind of going back to the play calls a little bit, I did want to have one thing to add. Uh, We were talking about how the second down play calls have been very conservative. We were in a Twitter conversation with at M4GBit on Twitter. He's a BYU fan there who has a lot of the stats about BYU football. He told us the third down averages by game against arkansas our average third down was 9.4 yards Uh, kansas 9.7 yards to go cincinnati 8.6 yards and against tcu 7.6 yards to go there was not a single game where we had less than seven yards to go on third down on average you just aren't going to win any games like that you're not going to convert on third downs you're not going to keep drives going You'll be lucky at best to convert, I'd say, 30% of your third downs. And you're not going to win only converting 30% of your third downs. So something needs to change and it needs to change quickly. Otherwise, like you said, we're not going to be able to win even one more game if we're lucky.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of been the topic on Twitter is our offense. And I, I do want to make something clear here. When we talk about the play calling, of course, we all know who's responsible for that. And that's a rod. And, I do want to emphasize that we aren't here calling for his job. I don't think that drastic of measures are needed, at least not yet. The big thing here is A-Rod is a great play designer. And I, I don't think anybody doubts that he has great play designs. He's a smart coach. The problem has been the play calling in different situations where it's second and long on a huge drive and we go very conservative and do a run play rather than doing a pass play to get us more yards, especially when our run game isn't working. So some of these situational play calls are not what you want to be seeing here. And I don't want to act like I know a lot better than a coach because I know I don't. But if I'm to the point where I can predict what we're doing each play, then there is something that needs to be changed there. And you know we've we've actually talked a lot about this just separately and text and just as we you know have even just while we played call of duty we play call of duty i'll throw that in there but even just while we play we talk about how you know there's also a real possibility that a rod's hands are a little bit tied with who he has available to use you know as players and even within his staff and so You know, I do think there might be some needed change in the offensive staff somewhere. I'm not going to say any position or any person, but there is some type of change that is going to be needed. But a lot of this is going to start from how a rod, how a rod starts, you know, switching his playbook around, you know, that difference in play calling is probably going to be needed for us to find success because at this point, you know, we have evidence of it from the games that we've played so far. We have a very predictable offense, and teams are very prepared for us each and every week. They know how to stop us. I mean, we only scored 11 points against a TCU team. So taking a look at TCU's schedule, we scored 11 points against them when they have had teams like Colorado score 42. They had Houston score more than us against them. Houston scored 13. SMU scored 17. West Virginia, 21. Iowa State, 14. So we are the second lowest scoring team against this TCU defense outside of Nichols State. And that's very, very difficult for me to see, especially with the offensive weapons that we do have on this team. And so, you know, something's got to change in that game plan because we cannot be scoring 11 points in a game and expect to have any type of shot to win this game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Just all around, things need to be better there. And I guess leading off of that, we'll go into the positives, if any. What did you see from this game that you took away as kind of a positive that we can take into this Texas Tech Week and build on to be able to have a good performance here? Yeah, I mean, the one positive that I see a lot on Twitter that's joked about is we
0: got the Ryan Rico show a little bit this past week. We punted a lot of our drives, but, you know, Seriously, though, you know, it's fun to joke about that. Rico's a great punter. We love having him on the team. It's unfortunate that he's one of those guys that you hate seeing on the field because that means your team isn't having success. But there, there really are some positives that I take away from this game, believe it or not. Um, the first one is this is kind of a wake up call that's needed for our team. This can be used as a game to put a chip on our shoulders You know, a lot of opponents are using this game to say BYU doesn't belong in the big 12. And we kind of need that reminder that people assume that we are like that and we need to prove them wrong. We need that extra motivator, that locker room material. And so if anything positive can be taken from this game, we need to be using it as, you know, a motivator and a way to right the ship and get back to who we can be. We've seen glimpses of how good this team can be and we need to use this game as a motivator to get there so if we do use it as a motivator then i think that is a positive there but you know that's it's tough to find any positives in a game like this so i'm curious if you have any others to add to that at all
1: yeah one thing i should, wanted to shout out is the young player reps that we had raider Demuni, sialia Uh, Harrison, Harrison Taggart there, all these guys, freshmen getting good reps in game against a a really good team like TCU is going to help out a lot in the future. I know it's not great to have them come in and kind of garbage time and be able to get reps like that, but it is nice to be able to get them on the field a little bit there. And I did just want to shout out the safety room a little bit. We have a lot of guys that are depleted, a lot of injuries there, and we're kind of just picking up the scraps of whoever can play the field, but Ethan Slade and Preston Rex, both tied for the team lead in tackles. They both had eight on the day. So just wanted to give a little shout out to those guys for now. Uh, again, the safety room, not great, but these guys are at least making the best of what they got there.
0: You know, the fact that Preston Rex is one of our leaders in tackles in that game kind of shows how slim we really are at that position. And this isn't at all a shot at Preston. He's a great player. We love having any of the Rex family on BYU but before the season started he was listed at like seventh on the depth chart so he's one of those guys that you know he's a great player but you only hope to see them in garbage time when we are winning games but he's out here getting you know valuable minutes in the game you know i remember we were texting during the game and we were kind of shocked to see him that early but it's because we have such little depth at that position and so, you know, it is it is good, though, for the future of the team to have guys get reps, like you said, against a team like TCU in a hostile environment. And you hope that they make the most of those opportunities. So I, I do think it is worth taking that away as a positive, especially where there are so few positives. And one, one other thing that I'm just looking at right now as well, though, is taking a look at our notes from last week's episode. We actually both almost had our hot takes correct, which is wild because those hot takes were very specifically to help us win this game. So if if any of our listeners didn't listen last week, Chris had the hot take that our team would force three turnovers, three interceptions. And my hot take was that we would hold them under 150 pass yards. So last week against TCU. We had actually two interceptions, one by Eddie Heckard, one by Siali Asera. And we also held them under 150 rushing yards. Taking a look at the box score, they only had 137 rush yards on the day, which is pretty good for our defense. The problem there, though, is that they didn't need those rushing yards to win the game because they were passing the ball all over us and getting away with it. Like we could not stop their passing offense at all. But, you know, those are some good positives to take away from this is that we had those turnovers. We forced the two turnovers, almost three, and that we did hold them under 150 yards, just not in the best circumstance for it to happen, especially because one of those interceptions was, in fact, in garbage time.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that those hot takes would almost come true there because, like you said, we were predicting those for BYU to win the game and Having them come true and us get blown out by 30 points was not exactly how we expected that to go. But uh, just kind of leading off of the positives there, uh, we wanted to go over players of the game. We talked a little bit about this beforehand. Usually we give offensive player of the game, defensive player of the game, maybe one other guy we want to shout out. So just going over what we talked about, Dylan, who is the player of the game this week?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think... and this isn't saying that we have no good players, but I don't think anybody really had the numbers to deserve a huge shout out other than one player. And it's actually a special teams player. And that is our very own Ryan Rico. So we're gonna give a shout out to Ryan. He punted seven times during that game, 313 total punt yards. His long was 60 and his average was 44.7. He had two of those punts inside the twenty yard line. So you know what? Have a day, Ryan Rico. You had the best performance, I would say, out of anybody on our team against TCU. So I, I think he deserves that. What what do you think?
1: Yeah, Ryan Rico is the only player that really came to play as much as we expected him to. And that that average is even with a punt getting blocked there. So uh, 45 yard average on those punts we will more than take that in any other game where we're actually playing good that would help out a lot so shout out ryan rico but with this
0: all said we always talk about the meltdown that happens after these losses especially a loss like this one and byu fans start to hit the panic button a little bit early at times but now the question is is that panic button pressed? is it right to be pressed right now so chris are you panicking with this team have
1: you pressed that panic button i'll be honest i definitely have at least a little bit there it feels like with all the injuries on the defense it's going to be pretty difficult to come back from that losing ben bywater for the season hurts a lot and the safety room being as depleted as it is plus the cornerback play having a drastic downfall this last week i am extremely concerned about the rest of the season I do think that we have it in us to be able to get it back together. But if we see another dud against Texas Tech this week, there will not be a lot going on that can make me very confident or happy about BYU's future this year. Yeah, I agree there.
0: I I also am at the same point. I've pressed the panic button, especially after the offensive performance last week. You know, it was very rough. I mean, anytime you have a quarterback with a QBR of nine, that is very not good and, you know, brings up a lot of well-deserved panic. Um, But like you said, I think actually, you know, this this week is gonna dictate the rest of the season. So this could very well be the most important game we have this year. You know, I could very well see us losing this game and that kind of being the nail in the coffin for this team, you know, maybe trying, you know, being close to winning one or two more games after that. But if we don't beat Tech, I struggle seeing us beating almost any of the rest of our teams on our schedule, you know, leading up into the bye week I actually said, you know, I would be happy winning one of those games in the Texas stretch. So that's at TCU at home against Texas tech. And then at Texas, I just wanted to win one of those so that we only needed to win two in our final four. And you know, that final four, of course, is going to be pretty rough in itself against good teams like west virginia oklahoma oklahoma state so you know if we beat tech that still gets us on that track towards a bowl game if we don't beat tech and we need to win three out of that four because realistically it's going to be very difficult for us to beat texas i don't think we do beat texas so we're going to need to win three out of the final four games and that includes those teams with west virginia oklahoma state oklahoma and iowa state and so you know this this game could very well dictate the rest of the season you know but on that same point looking at it from a positive perspective if we approach this game with a chip on our shoulder of looking to improve and make up for a very very poor performance last week that could give us the momentum we need to win more than the necessary games for a bowl game so this, this is kind of the peak of the season where if, if we tip one way, we'll fall that way. If we tip the other way, we'll fall that other way. So this is going to be a huge game for us. This is kind of, you know, I think the deciding game of the season to see who we will get from BYU, which BYU team we see for the rest of the season. And I really hope You know it's that ladder option i mentioned using it as momentum getting a good bounce back win and figuring things out because you know that's the topic of this podcast episode a little bit is fixing these things as fast as we
1: possibly can yeah absolutely and uh, that was a pretty good breakdown of the tcu game in which we broke down so now getting (laughs) on to the next game here uh Texas Tech, we have coming up the 5 p.m. kickoff on Saturday at home. We have the classic white royal and white uniforms. A lot of fans have been clamoring for this for a long time. So they finally get their wishes. And uh, the night game at Provo, that is going to be a really big deal. BYU usually plays better at night, and we usually play better at home. So in order to get things right on the right track again and kind of give ourselves hope for the rest of the season, we have all the makings needed for a good game there. Uh, Looking over at Texas Tech, Dylan, what has stood out to you about their team, offense, defense, just the biggest standouts there in your opinion?
0: Yeah, there's one player that I know we both could touch on if we wanted, so I'm going to leave him for you, you know, the specific guy that you are most nervous about for very good reason. So I'm going to leave that to you to talk a little bit more about. Um, The direction I want to go a little bit is with their receivers, and the reason I'm a little bit concerned about their receivers against us is is because we are so weak at that safety position. And they do have some great receivers. You know, there are two leading receivers, both have four touchdowns this season. At the top, you have Miles Price with 31 receptions, 304 yards, four touchdowns. Then you have Jaron Bradley, who has 27 receptions for 298 yards and four touchdowns. And specifically guys like Jaren Bradley, he is, you know, 6'5", 220 pounds he's a big dude and he scares me against our defense a little bit we have some smaller guys we have those young or walk-on guys at the safety position and so this is a good opportunity for texas tech to get their passing game figured out especially where they saw tcu have so much success with it last week so i do get a little bit nervous because you know guys like jaron bradley are a mismatch nightmare for this defense you know, he's big, he's fast, and he can catch the ball really well. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. That is, you know, one of their strength position groups. The big question is more from the quarterback position for them, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But their, their receivers do scare me a little bit. Um, but why, why don't you talk a little bit more about who we are really both scared of with this matchup?
1: Yes, yeah, so you mentioned you were leaving it to me here. Uh, the guy that we're talking about here is running back Taj Brooks. He currently has 786 rushing yards on the season, and he's averaging six yards per carry with five touchdowns on the year. He is a monster in every sense of the word. Uh, the BYU defense being depleted and everything, and other teams usually being able to run the ball pretty well. I am extremely concerned for how we're going to be able to stop that because especially if they have a young a young quarterback starting, they could be a little bit worried to throw the ball and they could lean on the run game a lot. And so having a guy like Taj Brooks is going to help them out a ton in this game. And I really don't see a way for us to completely shut him down. We can only hope to kind of keep him contained and not give up too many big plays for him because he does have a lot of great games on the year there.
0: Greg Rubel actually
1: tweeted today,
0: there are 15 running backs averaging more than a hundred yards per game on the ground. And three of them are actually running backs that we faced last week, this week, and next week. So we have three of those in back to back to back weeks. Last week it was Imani Bailey. He averages 107 yards per game. This week is Taj Brooks. As we are talking about now, he averages 112 yards per game in his last five you know, he has 98, 170, 101, 149, 158. Like, he is consistently getting these high-volume run games. And then next week, of course, with Texas. So, you know, I not only did we get a good running back against us last week, we're getting a great one this week and another great one next week. So, very, very big test for our running defense here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see how we stop that there. And just wanted to pivot to the other side of the ball. Uh, Texas Tech, their defense is a little bit interesting. They don't have any guys that really like stand out, stand out as superstars or anything like that, but they play incredibly well as an overall unit. Uh, One thing I wanted to point out, I love their defensive backroom. They actually have four defensive backs that have three or more pass deflections on the season. And then to go along with that, they have an additional one, Dunlap, there. He has three interceptions, one of which is for a touchdown. And so they have five very capable DBs that can play the ball very well and are going to create a lot of havoc for our receivers who have had a little bit of trouble getting open this year. So it will be and it will be interesting to see how the receiver room prepares for this week. If we can scheme guys open, if we're able to get off the line, get free releases and things like that, it will be a challenge for them. And they have struggled so far. So Hopefully again back to writing the ship, the wide receiver room can get that figured out because it doesn't get any easier this week.
0: Absolutely. And that's gonna be the storyline of this week is if we can write that ship. And let, let's talk a little bit about ways we can take advantage of some weaknesses that TC or Texas Tech excuse me might have to really write the ship a little bit and get some momentum going. Um one one weakness that I really want to point out is just their they aren't 100% sure at the quarterback position. And when I say that, I mean, one, they're not 100% sure who's going to be playing for them this week, who's going to be starting. You know, they have the quarterback who was the second string to start it off the season for them, who has played so far and he's done fairly well, but he got hurt, um, I believe it was last week, with Baron Morton. He's possibly going to be back, but what we have heard actually from, some Texas tech fans themselves as they're expecting more likely their third string, Jake strong will be there. So that is one thing that does give me a little bit of hope here is they're not, you know, one for sure who is starting there, but two, if it is Jake strong, you know, on the season, he has one touchdown, but three interceptions, only 173 yards off 16 completions. So, you know, he, he isn't one of those quarterbacks that is a super big threat. But of course, you know, with that said, TCU's backup quarterback wasn't supposed to be either, and he tore us apart. So, you know, you really hope that our defense can take advantage of this quarterback situation for Texas Tech. You know, even even if they do have a guy like Baron Morton starting for them, you know, maybe he's not 100% healthy. Maybe he's a little bit limited. Maybe this week they're approaching it as, you know, him or Strong could start, and so they don't have one of those guys taking all of the first team snaps in practice this week. So, you know, all the unsurety at the quarterback position does give me a little bit of hope here. It all is kind of dependent on how our defense preps for it without knowing for sure who will be starting for them as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. There is an opportunity to be able to succeed there with the young quarterback who's getting his first start this year. And like I said, Like you said, at least we saw the same thing last week. Nothing is guaranteed with this BYU team. So the opportunity is there. We just have to be able to go ahead and take advantage of that there. Moving into the keys of the game here, uh, just a couple things from my end. We've been talking about right the ship the whole time. I feel like that should be kind of the motto going into this game, but we need to win the turnover battle. All the games that we've won this year, we've kind of been more or less outplayed in terms of yards and things like that. But we won the turnover battle and we got key turnovers and capitalized on them. And that's what got us wins against Arkansas and Cincinnati there. If we want any chance at winning this game, we need havoc plays, we need turnovers, and we need to capitalize on the turnovers with seven. If we kick field goals and we get off the field and we stall drives out on turnovers, we're just giving Texas Tech basically free points that they gave to us right back to them. So winning that turnover battle and being able to capitalize is probably my biggest key to the game there.
0: Yeah, like like you mentioned specifically that motto of riding the ship here. Another motto that we've heard all season that I've kind of put in place at least from my perspective is saying that this team is different. And now I'm starting to question if that is really the motto for this team because we're starting to see, you know, almost similar to last season where the second half of the season we start falling out a little bit and we're just fighting for bowl eligibility. And So to me, the key to the game is I want our team to prove that they are still different. I want them to really come out as the team that we saw in the first, you know, five weeks of the season, this team that can really play hard and, you know, force mistakes from the other team and take advantage of them as much as possible, as you said, with, you know, winning the turnover game here. Um, And a big part of that is going to be with the intensity and... You know, we talked a lot about it here, just barely about how poor the starts of our halves have been for every single game. It feels like we could not have that this week. We need to take advantage of the home field advantage that we have. We need to come out starting strong. If we start with the ball, we, I, I genuinely think we need to start that first drive with points. I'm fine with it just being a field goal, but we need to have an actual offensive drive before we give them the ball. If they start on defense, you know, we've actually done pretty decent on defense with, you know, getting a good stop on the opponent's first drive, you know, against Kansas, we forced that turnover on downs. That was a pretty good start for our defense. And then our offense goes out there and turns it over. So I do think it starts with our offense. We need to be scoring on those opening drives of each half specifically, and just have that intensity. And then, you know, just hand in hand with that. Fans, if you're going to the game, we need you more than we ever have. You know, this is a team that I'm sure feels very deflated, even more deflated than we all do. So we need to go there and be as loud as we possibly can. It's a homecoming game. It's a night game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, as you mentioned, Chris. We need to be loud and be the difference makers that we have been in the past. We saw it against Cincinnati. We were loud against Cincinnati. I really really want that again this week because that's what it might take to spark something in this team is seeing all of us bought in you know all the people at the game locked in cheering for you and supporting you even after a tough week last week we got to be there for our team and i i trust that if we're there for our team they'll do the same thing for us they'll go out and play with that intensity that feels like has been lacking in the past couple of weeks. So those that's kind of my big key to the game. Now, in terms of prediction, that does actually affect my prediction a little bit here. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right from this into predictions for the game itself. Again, just like every week, we're gonna go over our prediction of the score, our predictions of players of the game from both sides of the ball, as well as a hot take. So Chris, I'll have you kick us off with yours.
1: Yeah, so my score prediction is kind of interesting. Texas Tech, when they win, they win pretty big, and when they lose, they lose close. I think that you mix the night game with BYU being at home, wanting to ride the ship, trying to get things back on track. I think we find a way to squeak this one out. I think we win this game 33-31. to Uh, My players of the game offense, I am going to go with LJ Martin. I think our receivers are going to have a difficult time getting open, and I think he's going to go for – Two, maybe even three touchdowns. Maybe I'll include that in my hot take there. Uh, defense. I do think that we're going to again hold their running back under 150 yards. I might be stealing your thunder a little bit here. So I think that the, in order to do that, starts with the linebackers, and I think Max Tuli is going to need to have a big game. I think he's going to need to have 10 plus tackles in order to help out. So I'll go defensive player of the game, Max Tuli, and then my hot take. I kind of just said three or four there, but. Uh, my one hot take that I will do is I will say that LJ Martin will score three touchdowns this week.
0: Wow, I love it. That's
1: a bold hot take,
0: especially with our running offense. And you know what, though, that might be needed to beat this Texas Tech team. Um, for my prediction, I'm going to go with the final score of BYU winning this one close. I do think we have the opportunity to, and I think the home field advantage being at home with a night game is going to be that main difference maker. And actually the line has shifted a little bit closer from four and a half to about three, I think, or three and a half. And, you know, part of me wonders if that's because, you know, they are starting to realize that the backup quarterback is going to be playing for Texas tech for, with Jake strong. Um, So I, I think, you know, all things considered, I think BYU does have a chance to win this. It's going to be close though. I think we pull off the win 27 to 24. It'll be a super close game. And it's really going to come down to our defense, making a stop, in my opinion, um, players of the game, my offensive player of the game. I'm actually going to go with Keaton Slovis. I think Keaton's going to have a great bounce back game. You know, he, he's a very experienced player. And so I don't think, uh, you know, poor performance like last week is going to get into his head as much as it does for other players. Um, I think he's going to need to be the leader that steps up for our offense and gets us right back on track. And he's going to play a big role in getting our offense going this week. For the defensive side of the ball, this is actually going to go in hand with my hot take a little bit. This is a hot take itself, kind of like you had some hot takes in with yours. I think on the defensive side of the ball, our player of the game is actually going to be Raider Mooney. I think he's going to need to really step up with such a injured and thin safety room. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity this week to make some plays and especially where, you know, last week we saw TCU throw the ball all over us, Texas tech. They might try to do that. They might try to run the ball a lot as well. Either way, I think he's going to come up with a lot of tackles and have a lot of opportunities to make those plays. So, That's going to be my defensive player of the game. A little bit of a hot take with Raider. And then hand in hand with my hot take, I do also think Raider gets his first interception as a BYU Cougar this week, especially if they are starting Jake Strong for for Texas Tech. So that's my hot take. Raider's going to get his first interception as a BYU Cougar. Would love to see it. And that's the type of turnover that we're going to need to win this game now this week we actually had a super cool opportunity to be on a fantastic texas tech podcast actually so if any of you byu fans would love to get a good you know more in-depth analysis on texas tech make sure you check out lone raider podcast on twitter they're at lone raider pod um i believe they're on spotify they're a great podcast you know the guys that run it are fantastic and we actually Recorded with Jonah from the Lone Raider podcast tonight. And we got a prediction from him for this game. You know, he's actually very similar to us where he's a little bit nervous. He thinks it's going to be a close one. But his prediction was he thinks Texas Tech is going to come out with a win 34 to 30. You know, it's going to be a close one there. But we want to make sure we give him a shout out and make sure you all go check out their podcast. Again, it's Lone Raider podcast. They do great work and you know if you really want to get to know a little bit more about our opponent make sure you go check them out and also just you know support a fellow big 12 school Um, they're awesome guys they're super fun to interact with on twitter so we wanted to make sure we give them a big shout out there now going into this week you know and after last week there is so much doubt with this team there are so many questions that we have And, you know, rightfully so all of us fans have, you know, are completely right in feeling nervous with this team and doubting a lot of the players, but I want to actually focus a little bit here, shift the focus from what it's been so far and focus more on the opposite of that. Who are we most confident in going into this week's matchup against Texas tech, whether that's a single player, whether that's a position group or our offense or defense in general. So. Chris, I'm curious to hear from you. I didn't give you as much of a heads up on this question, but who are you most confident in going into this week's game specifically against Texas Tech?
1: Yeah, so my first thoughts here, we kind of mentioned this on Twitter a little bit. It's been floating around about which position groups that we're most confident in. And as I was thinking through it, I don't think there is any single position group itself that I am fully confident in. But I do like the idea of being confident in players. I think that Chase Roberts is going to go out and have himself a day this week. I think the wide receiver room as a whole has struggled, but I think as they have struggled more and more, he's kind of emerged more and more as our number one guy and really established himself as a great receiver there. So I'm confident in Chase Roberts, and I am confident on the defensive end in Max Tooley. I think Max Tooley always comes to play. He's always either leading or close to leading in tackles. He's always finding himself in the right spot and the right holes in the run game and just really a great player overall so if I had to pick confidence I'd probably put it in those two guys and if I'll go one special teams as well I'll go Ryan Rico the punter is probably the position group I feel most confident in so offense defense and special teams that's my confidence and outside of that it's a little bit shaky but I do like this team to at least pick it up a little bit and I'm confident in the whole team to not play quite as bad as we did last week so hopefully that goes well I love it and
0: that, that's kind of the big thing here is we want to find these groups to be confident in, because this is, you know, the exact type of team that could bounce back this week. And so there is some earned confidence from us here. Um, on my end, I w- I'm actually going to go with a position group that I am feeling fairly confident in. Um, and I'm going to go with the cornerbacks. You know, they had a rough game last week, Jacob Robinson specifically felt like he was targeted a lot and he was, you know, allowing guys to get a lot of space and get open. But that's kind of rare from him. And I expect him to have a bounce back weekends as, as well. And, you know, alongside with him, we have Eddie Heckard, and we're getting Camden Garrett back from injury. So I'm fairly confident in our cornerbacks, especially going into this game where Texas Tech might have a backup quarterback in, you know, I trust that we're going to you know, really lock down their receivers as much as possible. And I trust our cornerbacks to do so. And I'm really hoping that they don't break that trust um, similar to how they did last week, just a little bit. But I, these are guys that I know can step up and ball out when they're needed. And so I'm, I'm going to put my confidence in them on offensive side of the ball. I'm going to put my confidence actually in Isaac Rex as well. You know, it's not a position group there that I'm entirely confident in, but Isaac is always, you know, playing great. He's playing great with his blocking. He's running good routes. He's a threat in our passing offense, and he's had, you know, quiet games as of late, but he's one of those guys where he could have a cold stretch, and then as soon as you throw the ball to him deep one time, he's going to make a play, and that trust is entirely back. That confidence is right back where it was before, so I do have confidence and isaac rex as well now i do want to actually give some shout outs to some of the answers we got to this question on social media so we'll do one from twitter and we'll do one from instagram so on twitter specifically at byu insider they said the position group or player they feel most confident in against texas tech this week they said punter What else could you seriously say you feel confident in? Well, BYU Insider, we gave you a few other guys we do feel confident in. But we do also agree we are very confident in Ryan Rico. He showed us this last week that he can be a great player with high usage. As sad as it is to say that, he did great. So want to give a shout out to at BYU Insider on Twitter. Then jumping over to Instagram, we did the same post on our Instagram. Got a couple responses from there. Um, One of my friends, Porter, it's at P will far Porter said, Keaton Slovis, hopefully he comes back with more fire. And I love shouting this one out because, you know, Keaton, I feel like has deserved at least some patience from us fans. I know he did not have a good game this past week, but he can really have a bounce back game. Like I said, he's experienced enough to where I believe he can get his, you know, mental mindset right for this game. And have a good bounce back game. So I love having confidence in Keaton there. But with this all said, it should be a good matchup. You know, there's a reason the line is so close for this game. It's going to be hopefully a fun one for us fans to watch. And really looking forward to a fun night in Provo. One other huge shout out that I do want to make about this game. And I actually shouted it out on the Texas Tech podcast as well. But We are having the bacon-covered Cougar Tails this week. So if there's one thing for you to look forward to with this matchup this week, it's those Cougar Tails. So make sure if you're at the game, you snag one of those. But taking a look outside of BYU as we do every week, let's talk a little bit about some matchups that we really liked last week outside of BYU's and some that we are looking forward to this week outside of BYU's. So taking a look at the schedule from last week, You know, one game that I really loved that I think is very clear was a big game. One game that I personally really, really enjoyed watching was Stanford against Colorado. Stanford pulls off what's considered an upset at Colorado, and they win 46 to 43. That was a super fun game. It went into overtime, I believe double overtime it went into, and it was a super fun game to watch high-scoring affair and it was just super entertaining watching it go back and forth so much so that's going to be my pick for the game of the week last week that i had the most fun watching now chris do you have another one that you had a lot of fun watching last week whether it's the one you predicted or a different one
1: it was actually the game that i kind of turned off the byu game to watch it was oregon and washington that game was exactly everything that it was hyped up to be a high-scoring affair really close game both teams were pretty evenly matched Washington ends up winning it on a missed field goal there from Oregon to be able to pull out, the lead, pull out the win. But all in all, these are two very fun teams to watch, both high-powered offenses, great quarterback play, and it was just great football being played all around. It honestly felt like an entirely different sport than the BYU game. So it was a nice refresher, and it was a very fun game to watch. Absolutely, and that's one of
0: those games that I think at the end of the season we're going to look back on and say that that was sort of a – season defining game for both of those teams and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for those guys now looking forward to this week there are some great matchups coming up as there always are but some in particular that we are excited to watch so just a couple that i want to shout out real fast games that i'm going to be watching and really looking forward to the first one is actually pretty easy to say but it's going to be that matchup between penn state and ohio state Both teams that Chris and I have talked a lot about on this podcast before, but we have number three, Ohio State hosting number seven, Penn State. It's going to be a good matchup. It's a morning kickoff. You know, this is one of those seasons where I said the same thing with Maryland, but if there is ever a season to beat Ohio State, it's this season, and Penn State might finally be able to do so. So that should be a close one. Another one that I am looking forward to that should be a good one is actually going to be Oklahoma State at west virginia that's a matchup between two of our future opponents that's going to give us byu fans a good look into what we can expect from those teams and i expect that one to actually be pretty high scoring both of those offenses are starting to figure it out a little bit here and so i'm excited to watch how that one plays out
1: yeah we both talked about penn state and ohio state as kind of being our secondary teams that we're following this season so the fact that we're finally here and finally getting to watch them play is going to be very fun I just had one other game I wanted to shout out. It was Tennessee at Alabama. Alabama has not looked like the Alabama of old and Tennessee has had a few scares here and there, a little bit of some slow starts, but overall they're picking it up a lot here. So I'm really excited to see how they fare going into Alabama and seeing if they can pull out a win there. Absolutely. And even looking back on it,
0: I'm pretty sure I might've predicted this to be my game of the season in our preseason episode. I think this is the one, between Penn State and Ohio State that I was actually looking forward to most. So that should be a good one. And then, you know, of course, one more that I am going to shout out because like we said, we are a BYU podcast. We only focus on BYU and definitely not any other schools in Utah. But we have Utah playing at USC. That's a 14 versus 18 matchup. See if USC can bounce back after that disappointing loss to Notre Dame. See if Utah's defense is able to make up for their lackluster offense so that should be a pretty good game as well but so many great games to come up this week you know we're really looking forward to a lot of these hopefully we're able to watch them all after a BYU win makes it a lot more enjoyable but should be a good week overall for college football but with that all said Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you check out our social medias. We're at Coug Talk Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. We have our podcast streaming on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And make sure you check out our website, CougarTalkPodcast.com. Make sure you check it out. Subscribe to Coug Connect. Find all our links there. Um, Chris, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up? Go Cougs. Absolutely. Well, We are excited for this week's matchup and we will see you all next week. This was the Cougar Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening.